Did you, did you hear in our first reading from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, it said, the command is not mysterious. It is already in your mouths and your hearts. You, all you have to do is carry it out. And yet, if you go back and look at that reading, it doesn't exactly tell us what it is. But it's no, it's no coincidence, it's no accident that we get that reading from Deuteronomy this morning paired up with our gospel story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so, of course, the command is, as Jesus concludes, go and do likewise. But that passage from the Old Testament reminds me of the story that is told of the scholarly preacher who poured over his theological volumes and his biblical commentaries every week in preparation for his sermon on Sunday morning. He locked himself in his study for hours, crafting his message week after week. Then one Saturday afternoon, the preacher's four-year-old granddaughter slipped into his study, and with all simple sincerity, she asked him, Papa, what are you doing? How could he possibly explain the depth and complexity of his work to an innocent four-year-old? So he reached out to her, picked her up, put her on his lap, thought for a moment, and said, well, I guess I'm searching for God. After a moment, the little girl began to grin. Then she giggled, and then she said, silly papa, God is right here in your shirt pocket all the time and she put her tiny hand right on his heart hmm. the poignant grace-filled wisdom of a child some lessons that we need to learn are taught to us by an innocent child true but then other lessons requires a good story. The scholar of the law, the lawyer, joins the crowd around Jesus and poses a question to which he already knows the answer because he is a good lawyer. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Love God, love neighbor, spot on. Got that one memorized. But pressing further and seeking to trip up Jesus, he asked, so, all right, who is my neighbor? Confident that he could verbally spar with Jesus over the law and emerge justified in his elite lifestyle, the last thing the scholar expected from Jesus was a story, a parable. But of course, a good story will always capture attention and imagination, and this occasion was no exception. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. 
And then he turns the tables on the lawyer and he becomes the questioner. So who was the neighbor to the victim? And of course, there is just one obvious answer and it is just as obvious as the presence of God in the shirt pocket for the little girl, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus quickly ends the encounter with the scholar by simply saying, go and do likewise. Okay, so while some life lessons we learn from an innocent child, others from poignant stories, still others we must learn from those who are marginalized and carry the scars of true suffering. The night before he was killed in 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached on this very same parable in his speech in support of the striking sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee. He interpreted the actions of the priest and the Levite as persons who were afraid. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was a dangerous road with many curves and blind spots, just right for bandits and robbers. King thought that perhaps the priest and the Levite were afraid the bandits were lying in wait for anyone who would stop to help the injured man. Or perhaps the man himself was faking his injuries and would pounce on them if they approached. Dr. King concluded that the question in the minds of the priest and the Levite was, what will happen to me if I stop to help that man? Whereas the Samaritan, a man of another race, a marginalized man despised by both Jews and pagans alike, held exactly the opposite question in his heart. What will happen to him if I don't stop to help? Some of you may recall that we explored these questions a year or so ago in one of our gift sessions. It's likely the Samaritan knew firsthand just what would happen. It's likely he'd been there himself. From his own suffering, it's likely he learned how to respond to another's suffering. It's likely his compassion arose out of his own woundedness and gave him the courage to be affected by another's pain. The scholar of the law, the lawyer, and certainly me, and dare I say many of us, if we're truly honest, will admit to closer alignment with the priest and the Levite, what will happen to me if I help, than with the Samaritan, whose marginalized life of suffering has forever changed that question, what will happen to him if I don't help?
For those of us who are not marginalized, have not really suffered, and are no longer innocent children, how do we get from the first question to the second? How do we get from what will happen to me to what will happen to them? That is exactly the challenge that Jesus gives today. How to have a heart of true compassion, to be moved by another's vulnerability and even attracted to it. I have to say, personally, I'm really struggling with this. The more I reflect on it, and the more honest I am with myself, I know the more I am like the lawyer, the priest, the Levite, and less like the Samaritan. I admit, I have arranged my life in such a way that for the most part, I am insulated from others' suffering. Or, more accurately, I have arranged my life to where I can maintain relative control of the things that impact and influencing me, allowing more or less just the right amount of need to come before me that allows me to feel good about responding to that need but not allowing it to change me. When the Samaritan hit the road that day, that morning, he had no idea how the day would unfold. I, I don't know if I have the capacity to allow another's suffering to completely disrupt my day, my week, my life. But this much I can do and perhaps you can too. I can put my hand on my shirt pocket, my heart, as a recognition that God is right there, that close, and I can pray for the openness, courage, and strength to respond to that command. Go and do likewise. Likewise.